the Green Bay Packers defensive players are losing faith in Joe Barry and what this Packers structure looks like. But is Joe Barry the biggest problem? What about Brian Gutekinds? What about the players? We talk about all that, plus have our pal Dusty Evely come on to talk about the X's and O's, what's going on with the offense, and if what they did against the Buffalo Bills is something the Packers offense can build on and push forward with. All of that starts right now. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Really Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Touchdown! You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today's episode brought to you by Prize. Picks. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to play daily fantasy sports and use the promo code locked on to get a hundred dollar deposit bonus. All right, as I mentioned, Dusty Evely here for cross. No, not crossover. Goodness, let's not jump the gun. What day is it? Hello, who's on first? Uh, <laughs> it is um, Expert Tuesday. Uh, and there are very few experts, if any, I would rather talk to about what's going on in Green Bay than Dusty Evely because he comes from what I think is an earnest, optimistic place about these things. And that's because he sees the vision. It's one of the things I really like about him. He understands the intention of what Matt LaFleur is trying to do, especially offensively. And so I think that um, is a, a great perspective to get coming out of this Bills game. More troubling. Rob Domofsky reports yesterday that there are players in the locker room who are losing faith in the game plans. In other words, Joe Barry. And a couple weeks ago, you have uh, coaches in this case. um, Well, so, okay, let's back up. Go back to Mike Patton. Let's get to present day in a second. Go back to Mike Patton. And in the Mike Patton era, Matt LaFleur had to say, this is not working. I I need more man coverage. I need more press. And he essentially had to start not actually physically calling the plays, but it was a lot more of his input play to play, including apparently the Kevin King touchdown where you have Matt LaFleur relaying something to Mike Patton about a coverage that he wants. There is a lost in translation moment and you have this issue. Okay. This is something that Matt LaFleur is trying to get right. And if he needs to take a bigger role in getting it right, He has shown a willingness to do that. A couple weeks ago, Jerry Gray was asked, the defensive backs, passing game coordinator coach, was asked about 
the off coverage, was asked about all the quarters coverages, and he said, essentially, you know, that's a question for Joe Barry. He's the architect. I'm trying to get these guys in the right spots for what we are trying to do. That is his way of saying, it's not my issue. It's not my defense. I'm not doing this. Joe Barry is doing this. And when Joe got to town, guys were into it. They liked the energy. They liked the intensity. They liked the vibes. It's all good. Now, there's questions. And I get it when when you feel like your defense is really talented. And by the way, I feel like this defense is really talented. The fans feel like this defense is really talented. The other media members feel like this defense is really talented. And so it's not surprising that the Packers believe that they should be playing better than they are. And if that's the case, and when everyone is saying this team is so talented, this team is so talented, and you underperform, the players are naturally going to say, well, it's not us. It can't be us. Everyone thinks we're great. It's got to be the coaches. The truth, of course, lies in the middle. It is the coaches to some degree. And I thought Matt LaFleur had a great line that the team would be stupid to not listen to the input of the players. But now we're, we're talking about three straight defensive coordinators where the players have had to go to the coach and say, this is not working for us. Charles Woodson had to go to Dom Capers and say, this is not working. It happened multiple times with Mike Patton, Kenny Clark, Sidarius Smith, Preston Smith had to go to Mike Patton in 2020. And when they did it, everything changed in the second half. Darnell Savage plays the robber role. He ends up playing terrific football. They start to get more pressure on quarterbacks. They start to stop the run a little bit better. And they were set up to go win a Super Bowl. They lose the NFC Championship game at home because the defense has one too many miscues because that team was really one player short and it was corner. They rectify that by getting Eric Stokes. They've invested their seven first-round picks on this defense. And Adrian Amos is is a high-priced free agent. Jerron Reed, not a high-priced free agent, but a free agent. Devondre Campbell, they just gave the bag to. Russell Douglas, they just paid very handsomely to be a third corner. There is not, by investment, supposed to be a weak link on this defense. The Packers believe in the talent of all of these players, and they have not played to that talent. So let's start there. We have to wonder. And Jason Hershorn, America's guest and my co-founder over at The Leap, wrote about this at The Leap today, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to, about how we have to include Brian Gutekunst in the blame pie here. Because this defense might just not be, the players just might not be as good as we thought. Darnell Savage might be entering haha Clinton Dix mode. Eric Stokes is, is probably not in the tier of corner who is just always awesome. Our, our pal Eric Eager, who used to be a pro football focus and now works professionally in analytics to help teams, um, points out that corner is just a really volatile position and that everyone fluctuates pretty pretty wildly except for a handful of those elite guys, the Jalen Ramseys of the world, the Jair Alexanders 
of the world. Eric Stokes, not in that class yet. So he's going to go up and down. Russell Douglas is going to go up and down. But so you have to look at Brian Gudikins. The Devontae Wyatt pick at this minute, eight weeks in, is a disaster. Cannot even get on the field at a position where they need him to play because Jerron Reed and, and Dean Lowry are not doing it. And he can't get on the field. Quay Walker, way more bad than good. Had a nice game last week, but overall has been incredibly inconsistent, which is to say he's not been very good. Darnell Savage has regressed in a major way. Eric Stokes has regressed from what we saw last season. He was really good last year. He has not been really good this year. They benched him for a, for a series. They might have to bench Darnell Savage. Rudy Ford has played really well. He may be Darnell Savage in the slot. And that's the second part. To me, this is Brian Utekin's first because the players are not playing to their potential. And then the second is the players because we've seen Darnell Savage be good. We've seen Devondre Campbell be good in this defense last year. Joe Barry coordinated a defense with Devondre Campbell on it in which Devondre Campbell was an all pro. He's not this year. We've seen Joe Barry coordinate a defense with Eric Stokes as the number one corner and have him be really good. He's not this year. So why is that? And I think part of the reason is they tried to play a, a totally different way. Devondre Campbell as the lone linebacker in these heavy dime looks. That's where he was really at his best, and now he's got to babysit. So, of course, that's going to take away some of his downhill or his sideline-to-sideline -side speed because he actually has another linebacker who's going to do some of that stuff. And so he's trying to think, okay, is Quay going to be there? Or do I have to go and, and clean this mess up? I think that's some of it. And then you have guys, like, it's not Joe Barry's fault that Darnell Savage refuses to tackle anybody. It's not Joe Barry's fault that Quay Walker is an inconsistent run-fit linebacker. It's not Joe Barry's fault that none of his interior defensive linemen, not named Kenny Clark, can get off a block. So there's only so much you can do as a coach. Now, there are times when you have to take the input of your players, especially in the secondary, and say, okay, if you want to play these kinds of coverages, let's go. Jair is getting a lot of money. I understand you don't want to live in man coverage, but maybe more opportunities for him against Stefan Diggs would be nice, especially in a two-minute drill when you know they want to throw the ball down the field. Just put Jair on Stefan Diggs. These other guys are not going to beat you. This Bills team is awesome, and Gabe Davis is a really nice secondary player. He is not Stefan Diggs by a long shot. It's the same thing in Minnesota. KJ Osborne and Adam Thielen are really nice complementary players, but they are so much less dynamic than Justin Jefferson, which is not even a shot at those guys. Justin Jefferson is just that good. And you are not leaning into what Jair Alexander does best, which is cover. He's 
when when you're playing these quarters coverages, there are times when he's just sitting and and sitting with no one in some cases. And it is easy to take him out of the equation. If you, if he just has Stefan Diggs, that's much harder to do. You invested so much in this secondary. Let them go do what they do more often than they are doing it. So it is all three levels of this defense right now that is failing. Brian Gutekinds put together what we thought was a very talented group. They're not playing to their talent. That's on the players. But Brian Gutekinds, I think, made some mistakes in roster construction. Devontae Wyatt, not a good pick. Quay Walker, right now, not a good pick. You know, I said that at the time. A lot of people were mad about that. But right now, not a good pick. Darnell Savage has regressed. Is that the coach's fault or is that Darnell Savage's fault? I don't know. Rashawn Gary looks really good. That's that's Brian Gutekunst. Preston Smith looks really good. That's Brian Gutekunst. Jair Alexander looks really good. That's Brian Gutekunst. Adrian Amos take a big step back. Whose fault is that? He was really good before that. That's Brian Gutekunst. Is it Brian Gutekunst's fault now that he's not? No, but it is Brian Gutekunst's fault for not bringing in an NFL caliber safety to play behind them. And maybe Rudy Ford is. If you go by the pro football focus grades, not only is he an NFL caliber safety, he is way better than Darnell Savage or Adrian Amos this year in the limited snaps that he's getting. Maybe he deserves more snaps. That's a coaching thing. But it's also a player's thing because you have... A, a player who can clearly play in this defense effectively, playing much better than another player who is playing in the same defense ineffectively. So it is all three levels right now, players, coaches, and front office that are having issues. I understand why the players are going, man, it's the coach. And I understand why if you're a coaching staff, you're looking at this group going, man, I wish I wish Brian had done something to get some more depth at linebacker, some more depth at safety, because this is brutal. Some more high-end, you know, I wish Devontae Wyatt was George Karloftis. I wish Devontae Wyatt was, you know, Travis Jones. I actually wish that second one for sure. But that's not what happened. And so everyone is looking at everyone else going, you should be fixing this, and they're not. So it's not, it's not great. It's not great. There still is a lot of talent on this team. There are still fixes to be made. And ultimately, you know, you held, you held Josh Allen to 213 yards. You got two interceptions. That stuff is good. But when your players are having these questions and you still can't stop even the bad bills running attack, there's a lot that needs to get cleaned up here. A lot that needs to get cleaned up. All right, let's get to our pal Dusty Evely in just a second before we do today's episode brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy with a twist. You are not having to go up against the finance bros of the world with their algorithms and their teams of people, their 8,000 lineups that are out there. No, it's you against the Prize Picks projection. Aaron Jones rushing yards. You decide if he's going to have more or less than whatever Prize Picks puts out there as the projection. Romeo Dobbs, receiving yards. Put those together. If you think they're both going to have more, put them together. You can win up to 10 times your money. Two to five players, it's easy. Pick a sport, any sport. Prize Picks probably has a sport for you. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals and 
Right now, if you go to prizepicks.com or go to the prizepicks app, you can get a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with the promo code locked on. You put in 100 bucks, they'll give you $100. Use the promo code locked on to get that deposit match. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Your host, yours truly, Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, wherever you get podcasts. Joining me now for another Expert Tuesday, my friend and yours, Dusty Evely, the man with the clicker, the X's and O's guru. Give it up, um, uh, Dusty. This this was, I think, in a game where the Packers lose by double digits, Still one of the more fun games to go back and watch because of what they were doing on the ground, some of the different usages of, of their personnel. Um, but it still very much feels like a team in search of mm-hmm. a lot of things, in search of something that works, in search of an identity. And it does seem like they've taken this identity step a little bit this week. Just as you were watching it live, because I know it can change on rewatch. It always changes in some way for me. What, what stood out to you watching it live? Could be offense, could be defense, just whatever piqued your interest watching it live. Uh, their, their commitment to the run was almost comical. Uh, <laughs> like, it, like they, Von Miller thought it was comical. He was like, oh, when are you guys going to start throwing it? Oh my gosh, man. It was so much like run the ball. Everyone's going to run the ball, run the ball. And I mean, uh, you know, obviously that, that seems like where, what they're best at this year in terms of uh, the passing game, not really taking off. And I get that, but man, they were down big in the second half. They're like, we're just going to keep running. And, and to their credit, they were generating some explosives and they were running some cool stuff off of it. And that was fun. But it almost, I know they did not go into the game going, we don't care if we win or lose is what we're doing, but it almost felt like they went into the game going, we don't care if we win or lose. Like we are going to establish this. This is something we're going to do. And they've been doing a lot of that pin pull a lot of that power stuff this year um they threw in some trap stuff uh this week as well uh, a lot of stuff with the guara in motion is kind of then kicking out the admin line of scrimmage and then kind of kicking up through the b gap to kind of take out a linebacker like some really fun stuff uh in the run game this this week it was just very much a i mean it would have been nice if they had done this in a closer game because in the second half when you have to come back and you have to throw um that kind of sucks but at the same time it did seem like they're like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We need to make sure we do this well because the past game still has hiccups. Uh, so that was that was fun. It was a very much a they they ran the ball like five or six straight times in the second half when they were down double digits. Like I I don't hate it, but also what are we doing here? <laughs> well, it is interesting. Aaron Jones averaged more yards per attempt than Aaron Rodgers on the day, and so it's sort of just like, well, if that's going to happen, then yeah, just keep running it. And there were a couple times um, you look at it on on some RPO stuff. It's like if Aaron gives instead of throwing the ball, like they had it blocked up perfectly on a night where they didn't block perfectly by any means, but Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon were just really, really good in a lot of cases. I think it's interesting that you, you brought up the, the running it a lot because it did seem like in the second half in particular, they got to more run it runs and you and I are sort of like pet project this year and yours for longstanding, but, but certainly mine this year has been this RPO idea for the Packers. Mm-hmm. and. I, I am like the least run it run guy. I'm, I'm sort of like, Hey, let's live in RPO every team. Like if I were a high school coach, we would like basically only run RPO. <laughs> um, and there are a lot of high schools that do just live in that are like they're they build the whole plane out of the RPO. There are college mm-hmm. teams that do it. Um, what did you think of some of the tweaks that they made there to where it's just like, they still ran it into light boxes almost always, but it felt like more of those 
as the game wore on were were true run it runs. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the it's I mean, in a perfect world, right? I mean, you talked about, you know, some college teams. Miami built the 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 plane out of RPOs last year. So I mean, that to to different results, I guess. In an ideal world, the RPO is what you want because it's benefit one way or another. And, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not the first person to say this. A lot of people have been saying this this year. It seemed like so many teams had been uh, kind of messing with the Packers in terms of like, we know what your rules are. Because I mean, as we've talked about a bunch of times, they had, I think, one this week, that kind of vertical RPO that was a post-snap read. They had one. I think they had one last week that they didn't throw that they ran instead because Rodgers is like post-snap reads. Uh, so they don't do too much of that. So all this stuff is horizontal. And all this stuff's horizontal, and none of it's Devontae. You don't have anyone then creating space. And so teams are just saying, listen, we're just going to load the box, and we know they're not going to run in these RPOs. And so the, you lose the advantage you gain off of that because ideally you're like, we're, we're either running into a light box or throwing to a numbers advantage. Teams know they're just going to throw it, and then they can rally because the guy can't make anyone miss. And so I have been thinking, and I didn't do, didn't go through whole RPO count this week yet or anything. It did suddenly seem like it was less, and I kind of wonder if that's that that's what they're looking at. Is this? Listen, we've got the RPO game. We know how we want to do this. We know how we want to function. We want to gain an advantage, either run or pass. But they were not gaining an advantage. I think last week they actually did pretty well with it from a numbers perspective, but they did dial that usage back. But this does seem like maybe a response to. If teams are going to key on our keys for RPOs and and it's kind of killing our effectiveness effectiveness with them, let's lean into some of the more uh, kind of power heavy just just run plays and go from that. And it seemed like it worked really well for them this week. It's interesting because you know it it, it does feel like the ideal is pre snap use Aaron Rodgers his big brain his big football brain and let him get you into the perfect play. But then you said something to me the other week that you felt like that that great is the enemy of the good with this team. Mm. And, and I think that that has been true with Aaron Rodgers. And then in the second half, they, when they had to, to drop back and throw it, it's Rodgers, second reaction. It's off platform. It's extending plays. And it it wasn't great being the enemy of the good. It was, all right, let's just try and figure something out. And that worked. And it actually felt to me like if this game had been five quarters, the Packers might have had a chance to win because they had this that Bills defense in, this, in the fourth quarter looked gassed. Mm-hmm. They when you run it 30 times and you run it as effectively as they did, that has tack on effects on defense. And if the Packers defense had been able to play a little bit better complimentary football, it did seem like the Packers had a chance in the fourth quarter to really to make it a game they weren't because of what was going on defensively. I wonder if you have any ideas about how to try and marry what they're able to do so successfully in the run game to jumpstart the passing game a little bit, because it for as, for as much as this offense is predicated on that idea of marrying run and pass, they've been really bad this year at doing that. And I just don't know what the right answer is right now. It's something I've been going back and forth with because so much of um, you get choruses on both sides uh, of the aisle, right? You get this like, well, Rogers needs to play within the rhythm of the offense, which to a fault he's been doing this year. Um, and it's and simply not there. And you see him drop back. He hits that back foot. It's not there because guys have run into each other or they're not getting off a jam or the timing's <laughs> wrong or whatever it is. I mean, there's a, that, that happened multiple times again this past week. Teams are just locking up receivers at the line. And they can't get off of it. 
And then he has to go move somewhere else. And maybe the line starts breaking down or he doesn't like what he sees on the backside and everything starts breaking down. So I, I think he, not that necessarily he wants to, but I think he has been trying to play within the structure of the offense a little bit more. He made a comment last week, two weeks ago, something like that, where maybe we need to get back to kind of scrambling around a little bit. And, the, and there was, there was a fairly large outcry there that was this, Oh, what's he doing? He's to play with it. The rhythm of the offense isn't working right now. And he still can make some things happen. So I don't think he was saying, and based on what we saw this week, I don't think he's saying every single play. If I don't like the read, I'm going to run around and make something happen because he's not that guy anymore. But we also saw on that Toure touchdown, this was it was kind of a, a juxtaposition from the previous week when he tried to and he stayed in the pocket within the structure of the offense, tried to throw Dobbs open, tried to say, hey, I'm seeing this. I'm trying to lead you away. And it misses him by 10 yards. This time he's able to fade around a little bit by a little time. Torre sees it. Torre comes back. It's basically the same exact play. Right. The difference is Rogers. Rogers had a little bit of time, and so I think that I think they're trying to find that. And I think they're. St- I think they're going to have to to some extent. Just be, unless unless someone can get off press, the rhythm of the offense, like it's going to be thrown until you prove that you can beat it. And right now they can't prove they can beat it. So there is an element of. And he said, hopefully some of those vertical pushing RPOs, some, maybe some of that stuff helps. And if you start killing people with the run, as they showed they do, I mean, AJ Dillon looked like a, like a monster for the first time this his, year. His best game of the year, easily. Oh, my gosh. Like, he was, he, I think his second snap, he's like ran over a guy. Like, all right, this is the AJ Dillon that we're going to see. He, he so carried three guys an extra three yards. And he was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. This is what he can do. He was making guys miss. He was exploding in what we haven't seen. So if they can get some of that stuff running around. Jordan Boyer missing the open field. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he looked tremendous. Um, so if they can get the run game going, and then if Rodgers, again, not not every play running around, but picking and choosing where he wants to be, because so much, he lives so much in the quick game, and they're just disrupting the quick game. And so if they can kind of get some of those rub routes where they don't run into each other, and then he can buy a little bit of time, like I think think they probably will lean into that a little bit more just because they kind of have to and it's not i don't know it's like off script without being off script like you're planning to run around for a little bit and so it's not really off script but it kind of is yeah and uh, you know i i said after the, the commander's game which is when he made those comments about wanting to maybe extend the play a little bit i was like i i get where he's coming from as someone who has been saying aaron please work within the bounds of the offense and when i say that i don't mean like absolutely only run the concept it was more of like hey when you have a three by one you don't have Devonte adams at yeah. the one maybe read out the concept side and then sort of th- that was where i was coming from within about like let's play within the offense like let the concept sure. be the play rather than trying because you just don't have the guy anymore um and then in the fourth quarter i felt like after the gyre interception Something changed in his play style. He hits the sail to Romeo Dobbs in tight coverage. Gorgeous throw, but you have to trust Romeo Dobbs to come down with that one-on-one. He Mm -hmm. throws the transition go. I I said to you on Twitter, like, I don't know how many he's thrown that year or this year, but I can probably count them on one hand. Yeah, I think that's the first one. He's done the slot fade. That might be the first transition go. It's the first (laughs) true boundary shot on, on quick game. And like those are plays where I think if you're Aaron at a certain point, you just have to say, okay, we just got to play. And I think that is the perfect example of not letting great be the enemy of the good. Like, okay, Amari Rogers on the outside in press coverage, by the way, your five, nine slot receiver on a go route, not what you want, but he threw it. 
because you have to be able to push these teams off and it works. And, Mm -hmm. and I don't know, like, am I being Pollyannish by, by thinking that like they might've found something in the passing game in the fourth quarter. It's tough to tell because I mean, the bills were kind of sitting off a little bit more and they were running concepts that like they were running a lot of verts and they don't typically run a lot of verts and they ran, they work some underneath stuff underneath there. They don't typically do, but you did see, I mean, there's always this, um, I don't agree with it, but there's always this narrative of Rogers will throw to a rookie. And then if the rookie doesn't make a play, then he stops throwing to him. I mean, at some point you can't do that because you're forced to, I I think that's a little overblown anyway, but he threw the one to Toure kind of late and low on the sideline of Toure missed. And it was either the next player, two plays later that he had the, the, the touchdown throw to. So it is kind of a, it does kind of feel like a, we need to go out there and play. I'm throwing, like, it doesn't matter what the matchup is. I'm seeing this and I'm throwing it. It doesn't particularly matter who it is. And if they make a play, they make a play. So I hope you're right. Cause we did see, I mean, the Rogers we saw, um, I mean, from honestly, most of the game, it did seem like it took off a little bit more in the second half was a different version of Aaron Rodgers than we had seen through the first seven weeks. Like he was moving a little, he ran what twice and looked there's, there's been a narrative this year. He's old. He can't move. He he's the same. He was last year. He's just, for some reason, decided not to do it. We saw him run. He's rolling out. He's booting. He looks like the Aaron Rodgers from the past couple of years, this, this game and the way he hadn't through the first seven weeks. So maybe he is just at a point where he's like, listen, man, and maybe it was freeing coming into this game. I know they made all the comments ahead of time. This, you know, we're, maybe this is the best thing for us. And, you know, no, everyone's counting us out and blah, 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 blah. Maybe he was like, listen, we're probably not going to win this game. So let's just sling it. Let's just, let's go game plan. Let's just try to get our clean stuff cleaned up. If we win, we win. If we don't, we don't. Let's just, let's see what we can do. It did seem to be a little more of a, a again, kind of an Aaron Rodgers we were used to seeing rather than the pocket guy take three steps, throw it, and then get mad when a guy doesn't get open. Because again, <laughs> guys are not getting open. Like if you look at this stuff, no one's open. Like people are blanketed on the top of the drop. So um, it was, I, I, I hope they didn't. I hope they found something. I guess we'll, we'll find out. Do we learn lessons against the Lions, Peter? I think we might learn lessons against the Lions. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Uh, this is, yeah, especially this week, the Lions are a historically bad defense right now. Just fired their defensive backs coach, who, by the way, I would be on the phone to Aubrey Pleasant tomorrow. He interviewed mm-hmm. for the Saints DC job. I think he interviewed for another DC job. Very well thought of coach, but someone had to be the fall guy in Detroit. So, you know, I don't know. Take advantage of bad teams being bad. That's just me. Um and speaking of defense, I, I don't want to go this whole, you know, segment and not even bring up the defense because the Packers were not able to score enough points in part because Josh Allen and the Bills scored too many. Uh, and that is I think there were a lot of questions. I thought Matt LaFleur gave a a good answer. I don't know if it was a perfect answer on why they did not use Jair Alexander more on Stefan Diggs. And it was essentially we didn't want to live in man coverage all game because if you do that, Josh Allen will kill you. And I think mm-hmm. that is a great, like, obviously they thought about it and like, that's a start, right? <laughs> you yeah. know, sometimes you watch teams play and you go, did they even consider this thing? And, and so that he was ready for that question. What did you think of the way that the Packers decided to defend the bills in this game? Yeah, I mean, it's I'll decide to defend, I guess. I don't know. The, like the run game sucks. The run defense sucks. Guys are getting pushed around. They don't have the guys to play it. They don't have the guys up front to do that. I hope they'd be able to stop the Bills run game a little bit just because the Bills run game is not particularly good. Um, they did not. They, nope. I mean, it was like the first, was it the first drive, second drive? Singletary ripped off like a 32-yarder. Like it was nothing, man. Yeah, like just ran like, oh my gosh, a guy's just getting shoved around. Dean Lowry, for all the goodwill he built up last year, I feel like that's that's gone. Like he looks like he does not belong right now. Jaron Reed looks like he barely belongs right now. Like they just 
they don't look good up front. And so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in terms of like the, the floor thing on, on Jair Alexander. That's, it's the easiest thing in the world to say, put Jair on him. Like, yes, that's true. They should, but structurally, how do you defend that? Then if it's not man coverage and then you go in motion and someone bumps, how is that? How is that defended? How is it? They've had so many issues with miscommunication on the back end. I'm a fan of them making it relatively simple. And I'm a fan of them not being in man coverage because Josh, say Josh Allen beat them with his legs a few times anyway. Um, and it probably would have been worse. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I mind the approach with a lot of this stuff. I don't think I mind the approach. It's just the execution of it was, was pretty bad. Yeah. I think there are times when you, you can make calculated risks. Um, one of the big problems though, is the safeties have just been so, so disappointing. And I don't know what you do with Darnell Savage at this point. I, I the, the guy that we saw in the second half of 2020, this is, I, <laughs> I hate to even invoke this, but it is starting to feel very haha Clinton Dix. And that sucks because I, I I know I was extremely excited about what he could be. I know the Packers were they were through the roof to get this guy in the building. And he just, I don't know if it's the Joe Barry of it all that is that is holding him back like this is not the right role for him i don't know if trying him in the slot is something that's even workable at this point apparently he's he's gotten some work there I, wh what do you do dusty help me out i've always been a fan of him as, as more robber than anything because he's got that athleticism and he seems like he has decent instincts and if he's not thinking um, and he's just kind of reacting. He can do some damage there. The problem is, I mean, like everything, like we just talked about, like you can't live in that world. You can't have him just in that one role. You're, you have to rotate. And when you're rotating, rotating back to those two high looks or he's the single high guy and you got to do something back in his angles is, have been terrible, like coverage, some of the recognition on that stuff. And then, then tackling angles, all that's been bad. All that's been so, so bad. And he's, he's so fast. He's so athletic. He just gets himself out of position and he can't recover. So I love, I love his instincts. If they could find a way to work him in the slot a little bit more, I'd be fine with that. Um, just because I do feel like that when he's closer to the line, good things happen uh, or he can do good things because he does have that quick read and react, but he looks like he's deteriorated so much. I mean, so many people had high hopes for him. I had high hopes. This is going to be the year he puts it together because he hasn't done it so far. And it's it's gone completely backwards from there. So I still I'm holding out a glimmer of hope, um, but it's 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 fading pretty quickly, I think. So I'd like to see. I mean, they they have his option for next year. And so, you know, I'd like to see what he looks like in the slot a little bit more. I don't know if that means playing more dime. You know, the, maybe the, the Quay Walker experience has them thinking that maybe Devondre Campbell misses a game or two and you start playing some of those three safety looks with Rudy Ford and you do go to some of those looks with, with Savage in the slot, those big nickel Mike Patton looks. Um, I don't know if you can stop the run at all in, in those situations. Can you now? But right, you can't <laughs> in nickel anyway. So it's just sort of like, well, then maybe that's just the deal. The, I, I think... The, the secondary is made to be worse because this front has been so disappointing. You have a first round pick that can't get on the field. Um, you have a first round linebacker who is, is so up and down and, and there are run plays where it looks like he needs a map on, on how to fit it. And then Devontae Campbell does not look like the same guy. does not look like the same athlete. He he played with such force last year, such 
speed and he just looks like he's hesitant this year the whole defense looks like they're playing a step slower this year and i don't know how to reconcile that um but i think your your point about simplifying it makes a lot of sense i just i, I sort of don't know i don't know where they go from here the Campbell thing is interesting because I I feel like I feel like he looked pretty good last the previous. I mean, he had the pick six, but I feel like he looked pretty good last week. And I feel he like looked awesome of, last week. That's the weird thing. And I think they're working in. They worked in some more of those like the, the five one penny looks. Even when they had Quay in there, they had Quay walked up over the line. The Campbell seems so much like if he's the one guy in the middle. He knows what he's doing. Can that read react? He can read the flow. He can kind of work on that stuff. With a second linebacker next to him, he was not functioning that way last year. And it seems like that's kind of a uh, when there's motion and this happens, like is Quay taking that? Am I? There's a, I think there's there's a little bit of indecision there, partially because Quay is not totally up to speed either. Uh, like yeah. like you kind of mentioned. And so I think there's miscommunication there and it's having Campbell play a little slower. And th- that's been that's been what I've been working with. I've heard other people say the same thing. So maybe I'm not totally off base there, but it feels to me like Listen, Quay's head swimming, which I mean, he's a rookie as a linebacker. That's likely going to happen. Like our, I, I, I had said, first of all, I don't want to take an inside linebacker in the first round anyway. But if you do, expect him to be bad, like the first year, unless Most he's Michael Parsons, apparently. Yeah. So if you want him out there, try to disrupt something on the inside, try to disrupt something on the outside, and still just find a way to have Campbell as the one linebacker more often than not, because I think he's better in that role than he is with a guy next to him. Well, I think they have a much better chance this week of using Quay in that way because I think you can you can rattle Jared Goff. This that was not going to be the plan against Josh Allen because if you blitz him and vacate spots, he's just going to and he did against pressure. Even when they were rushing four and got pressure, he diced them up because he's Josh Allen and he's just yeah. that good. So that's the reality of what we're working with here. Dusty, thank you so much for offering your insight. As always, man, a pleasure and um, have some bourbon for us. <laughs> yes, sir. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks to Dusty for joining the show. Awesome to talk to our guy. Dusty bet online is your number one source for all of your betting needs this football season. Now, basketball season, baseball, World Series, plenty to bet on still. So find the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, in-depth analysis on everything you need over at bet online. They have live betting up to the minute scores on every sport. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, Baseball, MMA, boxing, golf. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen. For your second listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions, big recaps, and the take of the day. I host it. Come hang out with us. Talking all sports. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, back tomorrow, Lily Zhao for Zhao You Doing, crossover Thursday with our buddy Matt Derry, and then our live show on Friday. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, we do this twice a week, Friday, Happy hour. It's not really happy hour anymore. It's sort of like post-dinner, Midwest time, uh, happy hour, Pacific time, and sort of like dinner time, after dinner drinks, uh, East Coast time. Come hang out with us or after the game on the Locked on Packers YouTube page to stay Locked on Packers. <laughs>